Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the offices of Cressa, your commercial real estate advisors. This is your host, John Schuhart from Greybeard Coaching, with my co-hosts from Cressa, William Tedwell and Justin Lang. We have a great lineup of guests for you on our show today, including Greg Gentile, President of Govolution, Sean Wayne, Principal and Director of Interior Design for Hickok Cole, Matt Ramsey, President and CEO of, of Exitivity, and Mark Carey, excuse me, Cabri, Chief Financial Officer of Technica Corporation. It is now my pleasure to introduce to you Greg Gentile. Greg, what is Govolution? Govolution is a payment technology company. So we provide payment infrastructure for organizations that accept bills from their customers electronically. How large or how small is Govolution? Govolution is part of a larger enterprise called First American Payment Systems. Govolution processed about $10 billion last year, and uh, First American has about 1,300 employees countrywide. Okay, so it's a big company. How'd you get started with Govolution? Uh, Well, uh, Govolution was a small startup company in 2000. Um, I joined the company in 2003. Uh, In 2005, uh, it was acquired by First American Payment Systems. Uh, Where'd you grow up, Greg? I grew up here locally in McLean, Virginia. And how many brothers and sisters? An only child. An only child. That must be a unique and interesting uh, childhood. Uh, What did your mom do? Uh, My mother was a nurse, registered nurse. And where did she grow up? She grew up in the Northwest uh, Territory of Canada. Uh, she lived in a very small town and uh, had some unique experiences as a result. So I'm curious, uh, what traits did you get from your mom? Well, I think my mother was a very curious person. Um, she eventually made it out of the Northwest Territory of Canada and uh, everything she saw was a, a new wonder. And so curiosity is probably what I, what I took from her. Okay, how about your father, what did he do? My father had a variety of different careers, from the military to uh, being a chief financial officer of a uh, large organization, ultimately a, an architect. Um, I would say the, the, the interest in learning um, new things was probably what I took from him. Okay. What was the first thing you really learned uh, to love as a kid? Oh, the first thing, I, um, food probably was the, was, was the top. Um, I would say next to that, I, 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 I loved horses. Uh, I grew up very close to a, an equestrian stable and actually wound up working there. So how young were you when you were working there? Um, I started, I was about seven, uh, started feeding horses in the morning and cleaning stalls in the afternoon. So at seven years old, you were getting up at the crack of dawn to feed horses and muck out stalls. <laughs> Before school. Yes. Before school. Okay. And then after school? Back to the barn uh, for more chores. So you did put... What did you do for friends then? Were you friends with the horses? <laughs> well, I made friends with the folks that were at the barn. Okay. William. Uh, yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about uh, sports in your life. What did you do other than horses? Well, my mother coming from Canada had hockey ingrained um, in her DNA. And so it was only natural that uh, she put me out on skates when I was about three. And so I played ice hockey uh, uh, almost all the way through high school. So... What about hockey turned you on? Um, it, wonderful physical uh, sport, a lot of skill involved, very, very strategic, but strategy that has to be almost um, uh, innate. Uh, it has to be uh, almost uh, uh, a habit uh, that, so that uh, uh, you can work with your teammates very closely. So what was your role in the team? Um, I had a number of roles. I was a right winger, um, eventually became a center, uh, played defense for a little while. So center, isn't that the person that's kind of like the star of the team? Uh, not necessarily. Um, actually, there's so many different skills required in, in, in hockey, and I, I guess that has translated a bit into business is finding what people are good at and making sure that they're playing that role. So, yeah, what, what exactly from business or can you take from hockey to business? I mean, mostly in hockey, you're slamming people around and banging in on <laughs> Well, that helps um, sometimes. Uh, but r- really, it's about being a, a, 
a great teammate. Um, whether you're a leader within an organization or uh, one of the team members, you have to be very reliant on the people that you're working with. Um, you, you have to trust them. You have to find the good in them. Um, and from a leadership perspective, you certainly have to find who's good at what, what and, and, and make sure that those people are, are in the right position. Well, you're the president of Govolution. Aren't you the guy that makes all the decisions? I'm not, actually, and that's how I became president. <laughs> um, being good in a, an executive role means that you have to trust the people that you're working with. You have to uh, help develop them. Um, but making the decisions needs to be um, done by the people who know the most about the situation. So it's kind of like ice hockey. You're not out there skating by yourself. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Justin. Greg, you mentioned a, uh, a few aspects of your childhood in the green room pertaining to hockey that you played for the, uh, the junior capitals growing up and were also um, a potential Olympic candidate at one point. How emotional was seeing the uh, Washington Capitals win the Stanley Cup for you this year? That had to be pretty special. Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, as a kid, uh, I got to wear a, a Capitol uh, a jersey. They allowed us to use their uh, sponsorship, and uh, so I was very, very proud to see uh, the team win the Stanley Cup. So uh, what was the best part of being an only child? Um, you know, it was tough. Uh, sometimes it was, uh, I was either alone a lot, but I guess the best part was that my parents thought it was a really good idea to, that, I, that I was very busy. So before school, uh, going to the barn, after school, going back to the barn, that occupied me while both my parents worked. So by the time they came home, uh, there was a small amount of time, uh, but I got all the attention, so I, I think that was great. So what were some of the highlights of your uh, childhood? Uh, you know, I would say that my parents played a, a very significant role because the time that I had with them, I, I was really just uh, wanting very much to, to get as much out of it. So I uh, had an opportunity to uh, be very close to both of my parents, um, very, very different people, um, but it was, a, it was a great opportunity to learn. So what do your parents think about your success as uh, president of Govolution? Um, I thought they thought that was okay. I think that they were really more focused on whether I was a, a, a good person, good family member, good community member. Um, those were the things that they held in highest esteem. Um, and, and I also believe that my father in particular um, loved to learn, and I, I think he was appreciative that uh, I was willing to uh, go out and, and and, and learn new things and uh, explore new industries. So, so where did that motivation come from? I, a lot of people that muck out horse stalls and a lot of people that play hockey, they don't become presidents of successful organizations. Where did the motivation come from? You know, I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not sure where the motivation came from. I, I would tell you that um, I've always enjoyed uh, attention and the attention that I got as a youngster was only positive attention. So I, if, 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 something, if I did something well, that's when I got attention. Um, and, and there really wasn't much attention if I wasn't doing well. And so the, you know, it was really a focus on um, achievement and an expectation that the work ethic was going to drive to some success. So I wonder if, if, I don't know if my parents were surprised or even impressed with uh, my, my career pursuits. Because um, it was expected. Maybe it was expected, um, but the things they like to talk about are the people that I worked with and the families of the associates I had. So are you still friends with your hockey teammates? A few of them, actually. <laughs> so loyalty, teamwork, family, those are the things that really matter to your folks. What are you doing to pass these values to your children? Well, uh, you know, uh, I think kids today have so many challenges and choices um, that perhaps uh, we may have had the same choices in the past, but uh, it, it wasn't as in your face as it is today. Um, so I think an awful lot of attention needs to be put on the importance of self-education. Um, and so I've tried to encourage my kids to really focus not only on their studies, but also to be curious about other things and, and educate themselves. And how does that transfer to your employees? Well, uh, one of our, our, our core values in our company is, uh, is self-education. And, th and that is to say that anybody uh, who has an interest in moving their career along, of course, 
work ethic is important and having the skills necessary to perform your job function and staying within the objectives of your organization, being able to self-educate about your industry, uh, about the, the kind of skills that you might need in the future, is absolutely critical, critical to drive your, 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 your career forward. That sounds like the uh, kind of things you learned around the dinner table about that love of learning and curiosity translates into uh, how you work with people today at Govolution. It sure is. And if you have people who, where there's an expectation set that they're going to bring to the table new ideas, um, at, you know, employees uh, need to look outside of the organization in order to find that. Uh, but it certainly does enable a person to control their own value. Um, and often that's a prerequisite to career advancement. Greg, what's the website? Govolution.com. We've been speaking with Greg Gentile, president of Govolution. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment. And your name is? Chuck Ockeltree. And Chuck, what organization are you with? The National Conference Center and West Belmont Place Event Center. Uh-huh. And what makes this organization special? The National Conference Center was built um, to be the nation's premier uh, meeting and event venue. Um, it's not a traditional hotel. Mm-hmm. So even though we have 900 guest rooms and all the services and amenities of a traditional hotel, mm-hmm. because of our size, mm-hmm. we're able to uh, deliver um, an environment that is very conducive to uh, learning, development. And who are your clients? Our clients are uh, many of the, the corporate 100, corporate 500, as well as uh, because of our location in Leesburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. we do a lot of business with Washington, D.C. Uh, government agencies. Mm-hmm. And what do you like about your job? What I like about uh, is we've had the opportunity to bring new leadership to the National Conference Center, blend with the tremendous service team that's built a reputation over the years uh, for great service. And uh, we've had a lot of fun um, helping our clients take advantage of the 65-acre campus. How about you personally? What, what do you enjoy about your job? I enjoy that, that we've uh, had a very, very, very successful turnaround in mm-hmm. uh, the two and a half years, mm-hmm. uh, taking the National Conference Center uh, from where it was in mm-hmm. 2014 with Excellent. the new, new ownership. We've literally doubled the revenue. And what's, so. your, what's your role in the organization again? Uh, my role is Chief Marketing Officer. And what's that mean? It, good question. It means that uh, uh, we're involved with branding, mm-hmm. uh, everything to do with the sales, the marketing, the promotion, and um, the business development. So you're actually going out there and you're actually involved with helping bring in the clients. Exactly, yes. And sir. I guess the way you're doing that is you're actually talking to a lot of the clients and making sure that you know your services are valuable. We talk to a lot of the clients and we do a lot of uh, events what's as well. What's the website address of the organization? www.conferencecenter.com. Let me hear that one more time www.conferencecenter.com. This has been your business spotlight. Mark Isaacson. And Mark, what organization are you with? Uh, IQU Health. And what, what makes IQU Health special? What do you guys do special? We are the folks that are taking the traditional healthcare system of the 20th century and moving to the 21st century by doing personalization for people and scaling personalization for people. So you're telling me that aside from going to the doc to get traditional medicine, I can come to this site and you're, your site's going to help me understand how what kinds of stuff will help me. Yes, we have a cloud-based system that allows an individual to come in and do an assessment which is, is, is the ability to scale personalization for the first time. And then we include labs and genomics as well. So ultimately, if we have 330 million people in the U.S., we have 330 million unique, one-of-a-kind uh, recommendations and guidance. So as opposed to taking an aspirin and having the same effect on everybody, the truth is it doesn't. It does not because everyone's got unique biochemistry and unique genes, and, and our core healthcare system is really built around one size fits all managing symptoms and that's and and the way it's going to work in the future is everyone is unique and everyone needs their unique one of a kind uh, so you're helping you're helping me understand what makes me unique and then how different kinds of stuff can affect me to help solve whatever is going wrong with me that is a hundred percent Correct. And you're, you're, you're running, this is a business affiliated with um, the pharmacy that's right across from the National Institute of Health, which has been in business 50 years, and you've assembled a whole mess of advisors around this. What's that website address again? So the website is iqyouhealth.com. Let me have that one more time. iqyouhealth.com. 
Y-O-U-Health.com. And we've been speaking with Mark Isaacson, who is the, what title do you have? CEO. Of IQ Health. Thank you very much. We're back, and you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, John Schuhart from Greybeard Coaching, with my co-host from Cressa, William Tidwell, and Justin Long. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Sean Wayne. Sean, what is Hickok Cole? Hickok Cole is a broad-based design practice in Washington, D.C. We have uh, 110 people. We also have an office in Richmond. Uh, our expertise is in commercial interiors, commercial architecture, multifamily housing. Uh, we have a uh, advertising and uh, environmental graphics group, and we also have a lifestyle group which supports our multifamily housing. How'd you get involved? Uh, I've been with the firm for about 20 years. And tell us, okay, but how'd you get there? Um, I actually uh, was laid off from a previous job. Uh, I had a abbreviated schedule where um, my wife worked in the mornings, I worked in the afternoons, and I was watching our one-year-old. And um, I followed a, uh, a principal who was with uh, another firm, and he started there, and then I followed shortly thereafter. And where'd you grow up, Sean? Um, I grew up all in, up and down the East Coast. Uh, we moved around quite a bit. In fact, uh, at one point, we moved around nine times in 12 years. So we were in major metropolitan areas of Chicago, New York, uh, as far south as Atlanta. And so um, we moved around quite a bit. So uh, what does moving nine times in 12 years, what does that uh, effect have on your childhood? Well, it actually had the opposite effect. I've been in the same house for 25 years, and I've been with the same firm for 20 years. So I think in some ways there was that search for stability. Okay. What did your dad do when you were growing up? Uh, my dad had a number of jobs. Uh, people like to say he was in the military. He was not in the military, even though we moved around quite a bit. Uh, but he was actually in business. And uh, so what was it that prompted him to move? I think that my perception uh, in growing up is that the grass was always greener and that he was always searching for what would be the the perfect job i think that for him there was always issues that with the current employer and um, i think that that's something that uh, i have learned from uh, what about your mom what'd she do uh, my mom stayed at home so she was a stay-at-home mom and then she ended up working for the high school um, that my that i attended so what do you think you got from your mom uh, I think for my mom, I got more of a sense of stability, and uh, I, I think for my dad, um, I got more of um, the idea of um, of searching for a career and finding the career that, uh, that that you enjoy. William, what are you thinking? Yeah, Sean, I find this pretty fascinating. Uh, you moved nine times in, in 12 years. Uh, you've would think that uh, you would have been all over the board in terms of your career. Uh, you said something in the green room earlier that you can really do whatever you want where you are and make the best of where you are. How does that transfer to your employees? How do you make that part of your management style? I think that uh, in some ways it affected me because I believe that you can do great things at where you are and you don't have to constantly be searching for what's next. Uh, we like to tell our employees to be good at many things and be great at something. And uh, for me, I think it was about not being complacent, um, working hard, and, um, and not looking at the grass is always greener. So, Sean, what jobs did you have as a kid? I actually had quite a few jobs. I was a lifeguard. I worked on the government's yacht. Um, when I was you going worked to on the governor's yacht? I did. I was, uh, that was in Maryland. When we lived in Maryland, I had a summer job working on the governor's yacht. So uh, newspaper, working on a yacht. What else? Yes. Um, I painted. Um, I was a lifeguard. Um, I cut grass. Uh, pretty much every summer was something different. So there's also a bit of you striving to find what that next thing was, it sounds like. It, it is. And what I enjoy about where I'm working and what I do right now is that every day is different. Uh, there are some days when I'm designing. There are other days I'm meeting with clients, preparing schedules, uh, looking at budgets, looking at financials. Uh, it's truly very, very interesting in that there is that diversity uh, within the organization. Sean, architecture is a very uh, analytical industry. What, what made you curious? What, uh, what brought you to that field? 
from a very young age, uh, I was interested in tinkering with things. I took things apart in the house. I belonged to a model club. I used to build models. I uh, liked to draw. So there was an artistic side, and I think that um, everything pointed towards doing something creative and something that uh, was truly a passion in terms of building something. Uh, and so that's what interests me. So how does building models translate into being an architect? <laughs> Uh, it, it really goes to the idea of, of tinkering with things, of uh, building things. I think one of the great things about my profession is that you get to see something built, um, something physical, the physical manifestation of your ideas, your client's ideas, your client's vision is something which uh, is truly special. William? Yeah, Sean, uh, as an architect, I've always found that really creative people aren't always terribly social people. You seem very different to me than that. So you talk about that a little bit and, and how that affects what you do at work? I think that, in fact, I was reading something um, a few weeks ago about um, introvertedness and how one can still be introverted but yet be extroverted when it comes to your working environment. Um, your engagement with people. And I think that when you truly have the best interests of the individuals at, uh, at stake, then it's a way in which you then become more extroverted uh, and more interested in, in others. People truly fascinate me uh, in terms of their behaviors and what they do. And I think that's why design is so interesting because design impacts people and it impacts their behaviors and it can make uh, a person's life better. So you've been in this company how long? I have been here for more than 20 years. And been married how long? I have been married 27 years. So stability <laughs> and uh, being rock solid is a big part of who you are. How do you make people at uh, Hickok Coal feel that sense of security and stability? Uh, there is so much diversity in, in what we do uh, within the firm and within people's daily lives that I think you get the best of both worlds in that you're able to focus on your career while also getting, a, um, getting very, very good experience at many, many things. So what would your employees say is the main advantage or attribute of working with you? Uh, I, I think two things. One is what you see is, is what you get. Um, and one of the most important things of any leader, uh, I believe, is two things. One is uh, trust, uh, and the other thing is to lead by example. And I think that people look at others' behavior, they learn from behavior, and so that's very, very important in terms of being able to walk the talk. And what would your kids say about that stability and uh Steadiness. I think it's the same thing where, um, as a household, well, we lead by example, and um, that the kids have gone to the same schools, they grew up in the same neighborhood, um, had the same friends, and it's really a different lifestyle than what I had. Uh, and now, conversely, now that they've grown up, uh, they're traveling. Uh, they're traveling around the world, they're seeing new things, <laughs> and so um, they're getting it that way. Well, it goes around, comes around. What's your uh, website? HickokCole.com. This is John Schuhart with my co-host from Cressa, William Tidwell, and Justin Lang. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment. Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? 
Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh- what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings, and such. So you're you're, well, you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your business spotlight. And your name is Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, sound stage lights of there your registration process works and, and what kind of events are these are these just in the life science industry strictly in the life science industry why, why do you focus on the life science industry uh, we found that the best way to produce a high quality event is to really know your customer so we don't believe in numbers it's names we get to know each company we find out what their actual mission and goals are and we find the best way to deliver the value to them and are you doing this nationally or regionally we do it nationally. We're continuing to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. And mm-hmm. next time I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been building you've been building this ever since. What, what do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm-hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. And the name of the organization again is? Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. We're back and you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, John Schuhart from Greybeard Coaching with my co-host from Cressa, William Tidwell and Justin Long. It is now my pleasure to introduce to you Matt Ramsey. What is Exivity? Exivity, excuse me, Matt. Um, Exivity is a technology and product development company, and we've got uh, about forty-five people that are uh, outstanding creative engineers. How'd you get involved? Um, I started the company and founded it back in two thousand and six after having exited the government and going into the commercial sector and wanted to create an environment that had the leadership and creative uh, aspects that I wanted within a company. So where'd you grow up? Uh, I was born in Southwest Georgia, and my dad was uh, an engineer on the railroad and ended up going into the government and exfiltrating us from the area and taking us overseas. So I got to grow up in uh, Rio de Janeiro and Geneva, Switzerland before returning back to the US. So did that spark a uh, desire and love of travel? It did. It's uh, it's something that's been ingrained in my blood. I've lived overseas as an adult in two other countries and traveled to probably 55 countries overall. So what's the most interesting place you've ever been? 
Wow, that's a good question. Um, one of my most interesting places is actually New Delhi, India. It's uh, such a dynamic environment there. So, okay, well, maybe we'll come back to that travel theme in a minute. Uh, what'd your mom do? Uh, my mom was stay at home early on, and then as we aged and uh, grew up, we um, needed to go to college, and so she went back to work and helped fund that so we could exit college debt-free. I hear the word we several times there. Who's the other people in this we? Yeah, so I've got two older brothers, and so I was the youngest of three and ended up having to uh, fight for what I wanted and uh, was kind of left to uh, fend for myself and what I wanted. Wow, it sounds like kind of a Darwinian existence. Tell me more about that. Um, yeah, I, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you do model yourself after your family. You're both your parents as well as your older siblings if you've got them, and you're a role model for your younger siblings. And so uh, my older brothers were both uh, very dynamic in what they did growing up and um, ended up actually following in their footsteps and things that I did in service as a youngster. And then both of them ended up going into volunteer firefighting. And so I became a volunteer firefighter in EMT that I did while working and also going to college at the same time. So you're not uh, afraid of taking a risk, it sounds like. I am not. Um, early on, I tinkered around with technology and uh, did some risky things with technology. Like what? Um, um, like one of the examples early on, I was trying to play around with lasers and back then we didn't have leds so we had plasma tube lasers and i needed to get the thing to actually laze which required a high voltage power supply so i started taking apart old cathode ray uh, tvs and using the power supplies in them which are somewhere in the eight thousand nine thousand volt but um, had to play around to figure out by arcing them and calculating the dielectric breakdown of air and you know, how much voltage did I have? So <laughs> Risky. What, what did your mom think about your playing around with high voltage <laughs> lasers and power sources at home? Uh, this might be the first time she's hearing it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of things that I did that they don't necessarily know about, but uh, I survived. I guess so. Um, I can just hear the old uh, mom line. You're going to put an eye out. Be careful with that. It certainly <laughs> could have happened with lasers. Justin. Matt, I'll never forget walking in your office for the first time and seeing a parachute draped across the ceiling in your rafters. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that, the design inspiration? So that's a, it's a reminder of risk management, actually, which is something that plays into uh, being an executive in a company. But um, I am a pilot, and I love to fly, and so I owned and operated a Cirrus aircraft um, for several years. And uh, after having quite an interesting year with uh, first a bird strike early in the year, and then after about eight months getting the plane back, I put it on lease back at a flight school. And about six weeks later, an instructor and student were out flying it and ended up spinning it and couldn't recover. And luckily had a, uh, a full airframe parachute in the aircraft, pulled it and fell down into um, the woods under a parachute canopy and ended up both walking away unharmed. Wow. William. So you're a risk taker with a parachute. How does, uh, how does that transfer to your company and your employees? Um, I think one of the biggest things is, uh, number one, creating a very creative environment that people like to be in. And being a bit of a risk taker allows you to bring in customers and types of business that is different from other places that they might work. Um, at the same time, the, the, the piloting concept and, and the risk-taking is one of the biggest things that I've learned is about situational awareness and maintaining it and, um, and being an enabler for your company, but also making sure that things are being done the right way. Matt, traveling uh, 55 countries, like you mentioned before, obviously gives you an appreciation for the opportunities we have in the United States. How have you passed that on to your children? Um, my children all, all have a love for travel as well, and so they're uh, very open-minded. They've seen a lot of places around. They've seen um, from myself and their mother both a very open-mindedness about people and cultures and the, the value of what we have here in the United States and the opportunity in taking advantage of that. You said you've been to 55 countries. What have you learned on your travels that you brought back to Exivity? Um I, I, part of it, I think, has to do with um, kind of the, the open-mindedness concept, I think, is one of the biggest things, and realizing the value in, in people and diversity and cultures and, and background experiences. So really um, 
you know, I've enabled the company by creating a framework, but it's really the people within the company. So I've hired people that are smarter than me to do the work. And um, we've also got a very diverse talent base where people have uh, all sorts of different backgrounds to bring um, ideas and creative solutions for our clients. All right. I know. Yeah, I know you mentioned in the green room that uh, you did a lot of volunteering uh, when you were young. Um, how has that transferred into the culture of the company? I, one of the things that we, we talk about constantly is, is mission enabling, mission first. And uh, probably somewhat to the detriment of the company in the early years, we put and we still do put client first. Um, and we actually tell our employees, do the right thing for the client and we'll figure it out on the back end. And so the, the early years in volunteering was always about having to get the job done and, and doing it right for what had, had to happen at the time. And I think that's been really core into the culture of the company is to get mission, get it done, and we'll uh, work it out. What volunteer activities were you involved in as a child? So uh, early on, I ended up joining uh, the Civil Air Patrol and did that for several years and uh, was involved in search and rescue missions and some aviation education, things like that. And then um, I transitioned when I turned 18 into volunteer firefighting and EMT. So what was the most satisfying thing about serving the Civil Air Patrol? Um, the most satisfying thing, wow. Um, part of it was exposure. It was a, had a little bit of a military component to it. Um, it was definitely a service-oriented organization where we got to learn a lot about aviation and, and things like search and rescue um, and just that that uh, very tactical kind of a response having that adrenaline rush when things uh, happen were very interesting. Matt you've had several transitions throughout your professional career uh, also worked closely with the with the military what advice could you give for um, military uh, service members transitioning into um, commercial sector now on uh, job hunting and, and how to how to find em employment yeah I would probably one of the biggest things um, in coming out of the military you have a, a drive for mission you will do whatever it takes to get the job done um, and that's a key quality coming into any company where I think as an executive um, you just know if you assign somebody or ask them to do something they're gonna find a way to do it and that's something that can't be undervalued it's not an education coming out of school um, it's a, I've had to do this, and whatever it takes, however long it takes, I will make it happen. And we really do appreciate that as employers. It's unique. So Civil Air Patrol, working with the military, how did you get involved in being a firefighter? Um, I, I mentioned my two older brothers did it, and it was one of those things where the adrenaline rush at the time of, uh, we'd be sitting around the dinner table, and pagers would go off, and we'd all exit the dinner table and go rush off. And so I wanted that, so I joined up. and. My poor parents, we would have dinner on the table, the beepers would go off, we'd disappear, and we'd come back a couple hours later talking about some gory story that we just experienced and eat dinner at the same time, and that was a family <laughs> family time for us. This sounds very wholesome, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm sensing a dual thread of risk and service here. How do those play out at Exivity? Um, it, I think we, we, from a risk standpoint, um, Part of it's hiring. We hire people who are willing to take risks and are interesting. And I believe that they, um, we want to push the boundaries of technology, but uh, we also do it in a way that we can manage the risks so we don't create an issue for our customers. So what special problems are created when you hire people that are smarter than you? Aren't you the, supposed to be the smartest guy as the president? Uh, no, I would actually quite say the, the contrary to that. I really see my role as being an enabler and providing the framework and then bringing clients and, and, and funding to the table for them and then watching the amazing things that happens when you bring those, those, those engineers with the kind of client that we have. You told us a story about taking a small uh, risk or leap of faith recently in Telluride. What happened there? <laughs> Loaded question. Um, be careful what you say in the green room, number one. Um, so I uh, recently got engaged um, and uh, ended up popping the question in Telluride. Very, both of us are very outdoorsy. Uh, she's CFO of a company, and um, we both get each other. We have a, a basis of trust that is just amazing. And so we were um, in, a, in a place that was beautiful and on a, a big boulder, which is a representation of the solid foundation of the relationship. And Con congratulations on that. What's the you. website of Exivity? It's Exivity.com. You've been speaking, or we've been speaking, with Matt Ramsey, 
Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh-huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is that in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Hell no. It's a lot longer uh-huh. than that, baby. So do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Bostonbid.com, and, and you can download the Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Boston time. Bostonbid.com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. And your name and organization? Tanya Laterman with Blue Tree Digital. And what does Blue Tree Digital do for its clients? We are a full-service digital marketing firm based in Reston, Virginia, and we help small businesses, entrepreneurs, and nonprofits grow their marketing dreams. So your role in the company is what? I'm the managing director of client service. So your job is to do what kind of stuff? So I match clients with their marketing needs and I assemble the right team to help get results right away. So give me an example of who some of your clients are. What kind, what kind of businesses are they or nonprofits or whatever? Sure. We have businesses in all industries. We help government contractors. We help apartment complexes. We help IT companies. We help businesses in all industries, both large and small. So you're helping these businesses figure out their digital strategy? Exactly. So we do everything from creating the digital strategy to implementing it to serving as a full service marketing department when they don't have enough marketing expertise on staff. Uh huh. And you're sitting and you're talking to these folks up front and then through the course of time to keep figuring out, considering all the stuff that's happening digital, how they can stay on top of it? Exactly. It's very relationship based, which is sometimes hard to come by now that everything is digitally based. Uh-huh. People tend to forget about the relationships and it's very important to keep them strong. What, what, do, you enjoy, what do you enjoy most about your job? Um, the thing I enjoy most about my job, it's a very collaborative environment, both across our team and with the clients. I really love the look on their face when I give a presentation and they see the results of the efforts really coming to fruition. Uh, when it really hits them, that it makes a lot of sense. It does. Uh-huh. It's very satisfying across the board. What, what's the website address of this organization? BlueTreeDigital.com. Let me have that one more time. BlueTreeDigital.com. And your name again is? Tanya Laterman. In the name of the organization? Blue Tree Digital. Gotcha. This has been your business spotlight. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow Assuming you've ser- you're serious about your success, 
serious about your own success because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back and you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, John Schuhart from Graybeard Coaching with my co-host from Cressa, William Tidwell and Justin Lang. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Mark Cabri of Technica Corp. What is Technica Corp? Technica Corp is a federal IT service provider focusing on um, higher-end technical capabilities. How large or small is Technica Corp? Technica is a little over a $100 million firm. I've uh, been in business about 30 years and close to 300 employees. And how long have you been with Technica? Uh, for a fairly short period, about five months. How did you come to Technica Corp? I left my old firm late in 17 uh, after kind of transitioning the founders out of that company. I was the COO of Facile, and um, at the time we turned the company into an ESOP, and it was time to kind of transition out. And uh, New Technica from my prior life as a subcontractor, and they're a very trusted provider of the federal government, and met the founders, and we made it work. Cool. Um, where'd you grow up? Grew up outside of Philadelphia in a town called King of Prussia, um, in that area for 40 years. Any uh, siblings? Three older siblings, two brothers and a sister. Wow, so you were the youngest of the bunch. Yeah. Well, what did that do? Kind of made you a little f- fighter, gritty, you know, kind of fight for what you get. Uh, and how did you learn from your siblings? Kind of just watching. I kind of, you know, as the youngest of four, you kind of don't get a lot to say, but you kind of just watch and learn and you can learn a lot from watching people make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, how about your mom? What'd she do? My mom was a, uh, a housewife, um, you know, focused on raising four kids 10 or 11 years apart. And what kind of attributes or uh, traits did you uh, get from your mom? It was just really all about family. Again, she was a, um, a super, super cook, but she really focused on, you know, raising her kids as my dad built his career. Mm-hmm. And what did your dad do? My dad ran a um, family-owned business for many, many years. It was kind of the very first steel drum plant ever created in the country. Uh, but it basically serviced um, oil refineries in the Philadelphia area in a replenishment kind of capability. So this was real hands-on industrial kind of work? Very very blue-collar, very union-based um, yeah, plant manufacturing kind of stuff. And what values did you get from your father? Basically, the you know the commitment to his trade, the commitment to his family. Um, I recall a, a letter he wrote me, and he didn't write many. About once, I think maybe I was off track on something. Can't recall, but it was basically nothing really matters except your family kind of message. That don't ever forget that, and I kind of never did. Okay. How in the world did you get in finance and running a, a big company? I spent 20 years with Unisys, moved here with them into the Northern Virginia area, and, and kind of then went to the mid-tier size firm and kind of moved more into the operator side than, you know, kind of the traditional bean counting. But I never was the traditional MBA CPA kind of finance guy. I was more operational-based kind of leader and just kind of made that career switch the last couple of years into CFO, COO leadership. And, and, and where did that really come from? Were, were there sports or anything that were influential when you were coming up? Yeah, I, I, I do believe ingrained in, in how I was raised and how I played sports and played basketball and was kind of always the captain or the point guard of a team and kind of built teams and built trust and built leadership amongst the guys. And you kind of get acclimated to making decisions, making them readily, and not being not being afraid to 
take that last shot and miss it kind of thing and move on. Yeah, how many decisions does a point guard make during a basketball game? Hundreds. And how many decisions does a CFO make during the typical day at Technica Corp? Uh, close to that. Close to that. Okay. So and even though you uh, really learn from watching, now you're really involved in doing. What are you thinking, Justin? Mark, you mentioned being a, a pretty fanatical uh, Villanova and Philadelphia Eagles fan. Um, Technica also on the cutting edge of, um, of the engineering industry. Are there any current patents pending for lampposts that can't be climbed in the event the Eagles or uh, Wildcats win another Super Bowl and national championship? <laughs> I'll have to take that up with our innovation team at Technica. <laughs> um, tell us about the job you had at 16 through college. Family-owned business, beer distributor in the Philly area, couldn't have beverage, and uh, knew the owners, knew the family. It was basically just an open invitation. My brother worked there. Come when you want, work when you want. It was a union shop, but worked through college. Um, not easy, you know, so lugging it's, kegs it's, around in basements of cellars. It was fun. At 16 years old, you were distributing beer, lugging kegs <laughs> around through the bars of Philadelphia. Yes, sir. So what did that <laughs> how does how does delivering beer train one to be the CFO of a tech company? <laughs> one thing you gotta watch is your language, because working in a warehouse for six years you can really you can really get some language that you need to filter. But no, it it was it was hard, hard work. I'm not I'm not kidding you. It was you know, laborious, hard work, hot summer days, drugging. Justin. Uh, Mark, growing up in the in the Irish Catholic family, uh, you mentioned before a sense of community. How how has that been important to you to pass on to your children and also uh, those that work for you at Technica? Yeah, it's you know kind of keep your cl- friends close and your enemies further away and that kind of thing. And um, I think my kids see that in me. Um, we did move from the Philly area, big decision, relocating a family with two young kids, but we've always always made it a case to keep close to the the family and the friends back in the Philly suburb area. So what would your, your kids are college age or even older, what would they say was the hallmark of growing up in the Cabri or Cabri household? Um, sports. <laughs> sports. <laughs> Villanova. Uh, I used to take, you know, as my dad took me to the Palestra when I was probably three or four, which is the Cathedral of College Basketball in Philly. I took my girls to the Villanova Pavilion when they would literally fall asleep at the game. So it's just it's just in your blood. I, I believe you mentioned before uh, when you moved from King of Prussia down to Washington, D.C. area, your kids were roughly six and nine. Uh, Million-dollar question, Eagles or Redskins fans? Oh. <laughs> it's all Philly. I can't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 40 years there, we'll never get that out of your blood. <laughs> so, so, Mark, uh, what's your company's website? It's technicacorp.com. Technicacorp.com. We've been speaking with Mark Cabri. Our guests today have been Greg Gentile, President of Govolution, Sean Wayne, Principal and Director of Design, excuse me, Interior Design for Hickok Cole, Matt Ramsey, President and CEO of Exivity, and our last guest was Mark Cabri, Chief Financial Officer of Technical, excuse me, Technica Corporation. I would like to thank my co-hosts from Cressa, William Tidwell, and Justin Lang for helping develop our storyline and hopefully delivering to our listening audience an entertaining and educational show. Also, I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we would not have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.